Welcome to 24 Karat Conversations with Phyllis and Rhonda, where two best friends decided to start a podcast on real women, real friendships, and real issues. Our mission Bible verse is Job 23.10. Yet he knows the way I have taken, and when he has tested me, I will emerge as pure gold. We want to encourage, inspire, and offer hope in a world where life can seem to be unrealistic. Be a support for you to cheer you on as a wife, mother, daughter, sister, and friend. Most of all, you get to relax and laugh with us about all things women. Plus, we like all things sparkly. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Hello, 24 Carat Tribe. Welcome back. Hey, peeps. So we have a very cool guest today, Samantha Morgan. We do. Woohoo. So I met Samantha. So, so funny. I met Samantha last year in the middle of a pandemic. The only conference I went to was the Christian Communicators Conference because I felt this huge pull to go to it. And I thought, I am crazy getting on a plane and going halfway across the States to go to this conference. But in the meantime, I think I'm sure you can talk about this too, Samantha, but there was 30 of us in at the group and I think we have all become a sisterhood that is like no other. I feel like in the middle of this huge crisis, these women came together and we just clung to each other over three days. But we learned so much from that conference. Thank you, Tammy Whitehurst and Lori Boroff, because um, even those two were like, whew, they're something to be... (laughs) You got to go if you want to ever learn how to um, communicate well and get your story out. And so I was drawn, first I was drawn to Samantha's funny, bubbly personality, but then I heard your story and I was like, oh my gosh. And so I could not not have you on here because you need to share this. And Samantha just wrote her first book called Miraculously My Own, which I love that title. And we're going to dive into your story of infertility and adoption, which is the craziest story. And I don't even know, like I was holding my breath reading this book going, I don't think I could do this. Like, how is she getting through this? So welcome in, Samantha. And I'm so glad to have you. So tell us. I want to hear a little bit about the beginning of the story. Like, what was it like as a new wife? Um not being able to get pregnant. And I know as a Christian woman, that's the first thing everyone asks you is, when are you going to have babies? (laughs) Oh, absolutely. No, I think, and especially going through um, high school and you go through your sex ed classes, we don't teach, you know, we just teach, especially being Christian, that if you have sex, you're going to get pregnant. So you just, you go into marriage thinking, well, when I'm ready to do this, it's going to, it's just going to happen and, you know, be fruitful and multiply and all of that good stuff. And it didn't happen for us. And so there, there was so much guilt and so much, um, oh goodness. You know, I felt like less of a woman because I wasn't able to do what a woman was supposed to do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm sure lots of tears through that too, of just, um, I, I think I remember reading like, you, you know, we all check the pregnancy stick, right? Like what's it say? And then it's every month after month, it says no. And it's such a letdown, right? Oh yes. Yeah. 
So how, how did the idea of adoption come up? And then what were some of the struggles that came along with that? Well, when we were going through, you know, every new couple decides whether they want to have, you know, do you want to have kids? I want to have kids. And, you know, so we definitely wanted to have children, but adoption was not in our vocabulary. We didn't know anyone who was adopted. We didn't know anyone who had adopted. And Michael's mom was a social worker. And so he had heard all the horror stories about adoption. And so he was definitely not on board with adoption to start with. And that was a huge hurdle for us to get over. Um, and, you know, like I wrote in the book, it was one of those things where I just started praying for his heart because I was then getting poked and prodded by doctors and, and I was just done with fertility treatments after years of, of going through that. And I was just done. And I just decided I wanted to be a mom and I didn't care if I was pregnant. And I think that's hard for a lot of women because a lot of women really want to yeah. experience pregnancy. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and I can't blame them for that. You know, that's, that's mm -hmm. natural to want to have that desire, but God really put that desire in, you know, I just want you to be a mom. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, so I really started praying for God to take that desire away. Um, so that I wouldn't desire to be pregnant, that to, to feel like I was missing out on something of, of some part of womanhood, the passage into womanhood by, you know, by giving birth. And um, so I prayed that for myself. And I really prayed for God to soften my husband's heart, to just really open his eyes and give him just this divine meeting with someone, not myself. You know, I just prayed for someone to show him what adoption could look like. And, um, and that's exactly what had happened <laughs> wow. to really change his mind. Yeah. So how, how long were you, so you got married and then you decided we want to have kids and then found out you couldn't have kids. So how long was it before you realized like, this isn't really going to happen? We were probably married about seven years before, you know, we're getting up there. I mean, you know, up in our late twenties, Michael was already past 30. And when I had just said, now I'm done, I'm, I'm done with this. I don't think this is the path, you know, that we're supposed to take. And, and, you know, really my husband, because I kept saying, why, why is this happening to me? Why is this happening to us? What's wrong with us? What did we do? And my husband's the one that really said, you know, we, we have to stop asking why. And we have to ask, why not? You know, why not us? We don't wish this upon anybody else. I wouldn't want right, someone else right. to go through this. And so if, the, if this is what we have to deal with in life, then why not us? We, we can handle this. Mm -hmm. And so God was really working on, he, he was, he's very grounded, you know, individual and in reality. And so he's just like, you know, we're going to be fine with or without kids. It's okay. Um, but that's hard for a woman to accept. Yeah. How did that um, affect your faith? Like how did your faith walk with Jesus change during that season? You know, I had a very, I grew up in a house where you're supposed to do right and you're supposed to be good. And, and, you know, so I had this skewed 
and now I call it a skewed vision of uh, my relationship with God is I, I saw him more as Santa Claus, you know, where, where he has this good list and this bad list. <laughs> and I was dead determined to be on the good list. Yeah. But when infertility hit, I was like, well, somehow I ended up on the bad list and, and I've done wrong somewhere along the way. So, uh, my God completely changed my relationship into a personal relationship instead of a act, you know, that I had to act a certain way. I'm sitting here shaking my head, Samantha, because every time, and I say, I'm just going to say this time and time again, every time Phyllis and I have a list of guests to talk to, almost like you <laughs> I was just thinking the same thing with one another before you got on here because we just had this amazing conversation. Exact same thing. Like she, she was said, she was taught that like there must have been sin in your life for you to get this. You know, it's this misconception of that God is good no matter what, even mm-hmm. if what he, what you think he needs to do doesn't happen. Like he's still good. Like he's he's still in the midst of this. Right. Um, so, I mean, you just saying that just, it, I was just like shaking my head going, okay, God, like this is apparently the theme. Yeah. Today. Yeah. It's like Rhonda meets these people and invites them to be guests. And then I invite these people and we invite them to be guests. And we, when we have taping day, we're not planning on who, who we don't match you guys up. Yeah. The guests we have are, has a child that is, how does she call it? Differently designed. Uh, she calls her different, differently abled, differently abled, differently abled. And we were talking about that same thing of like, um, you know, she was raised in the church. So it was like, if you do good, you get good, you know? And so when something bad happens or different happens or, you know, traumatic happens, what did I do wrong? You know? So it's just this, this skewed vision of like what your Christian walk looks like, because every single person on this earth is going to have that moment where you, it takes your breath away and you feel like you can't go on another day. And yet (laughs) it's not a punishment. It's when you dig in closer. Yeah. 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 And I I do think too, like the one thing that God has shown me so much in when you go through difficult times is that he loves us. And I think for me as a, like growing up as a Christian, I didn't realize like how much God actually really did love me. Like they say, you know, you Mm -hmm. sing Jesus loves me, this, I know, like those kinds of things you grow up thinking like, yeah, Jesus loves me, but you don't realize like the actual love he has for us. And sometimes when we walk through things, it's a protection for us. Or sometimes it's a, it's his loving way of saying, no, 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 dear. Like, we got to go this way because I have this for you. And if you do this, if, if I keep you on this direction, you're never going to get to the actual path and calling that I have for you. So. Yes. And what I love about our story, our son's story is our path in, you know, my purpose included other people. It included other kids that I had to go through some pain to fulfill God's purpose for other people. Mm. And so that's what I was going to ask about. That's the part of the story that I loved so much in this book is that um, just to recap it, but people need to buy this book and read it. But you were on a path to adopt these other two children, like wholeheartedly 
like went back to, was it Ukraine? Russia. Um, Russia to go back and spend time with them. She got connected. Like they, like the, you were their mom. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, you, were, you were all in. And, and then through a series of events, she ends up meeting this little boy who becomes her son. Yes. It was an incredible, I was just like, what is going on? Like, why? Like, and, and then the beauty of like how the other kids got adopted out by someone else. And it was such a beautiful story. I was just amazed at your strength. I think that's where I see, you know, the rubber meets the road of who God, how much strength he can give you when you feel like you can't, because you're not talking about just somebody that adopted a child here. She was going back and forth to another country, having to live there to like maintain this relationship. And it's so incredibly hard. Like I can't imagine. I was like, I'm out. I could never do that. Yeah. God knows exactly who for certain things. Cause I'm like, some people go, Oh, I could never go what you went through. And I'm reading your story. And I'm like, I can never do that. Like, I can't <laughs> believe, tell me a little bit about like, what was that like having to go back there and, you know, well, stay you in know, these places. If God had said this, this, and this is going to happen. I'm like you, I would be like, Nope, I'm out. <laughs> I'm not doing that either. But when you're going through it, I think, you know, God gave me an amazing helpmate to pick me up off the airport floor and say, you're looking ridiculous. Get up. <laughs> and, yes. and so, you know, to really have someone with you that can pick up your pieces mm. helps. It, yeah. it really did help. And to know that we were so invested, you know, we, we wanted to get a sibling group, a home. We wanted to bring home two kids and, um, in the whole, you know, like Phyllis kind of shared in the whole scheme of things, we were getting ready to fly back to court for our two kids and the aunt wanted them. And so in the end, without going into too much detail in the end, God got four kids out of the orphanage through our pain. You know, our first two kids, their aunt had not visited them in two years that they were in the orphanage. And she probably wouldn't have had we not requested to adopt them. But after you request to adopt them, they have to let all of the family know that they're going to America and they're getting adopted. And so that aunt probably never would have come back for them. And so they ended up with family, which in the scheme of adoption, that is the best thing for every child, for every person, is that they do end up with their biological family. So I can rest knowing that they got out of the orphanage and went to be with family. And then there's another little girl in the picture that we had a, um, were available to visit and see, and she just wasn't ours. And through this miraculous uh evening, we really realized that she wasn't ours and she belonged to someone else, um, going through a similar situation that we did. So that she was adopted by another couple there. And so, you know, we set out to get two kids out of the orphanage and looking back, God got four kids out, mm. you know, that in the end, their puzzle piece yeah. didn't fit in with my puzzle piece, but we'll always have that connection of, 
of what happened, you know? So that's beautiful. That's beautiful. Hope through the ashes, man. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) My gosh, hope. Um, so, so what kind of advice would you give a couple if they're thinking about adoption? You know, I think God puts the desire of adoption on, um, on your heart. I, I think that if you're looking at adoption after infertility, like we were, you really have to be healed from that infertility mm. and the mm. dream that was lost through biology. And you, you really have to heal from that because you have to be 100% all in to adoption when it happens. And you want your kids, you know, I want my kids to know that they weren't plan B, that they were just a different plan. You know, they weren't a backup plan, that they were God's plan for us. Not that I had an A, B and C plan and they just ended up, you know, I want them to know that this was God's purpose for them and for our family. So... I like that you say that you need to be healed because there, you know, when you go through something like infertility, I've, I've never struggled with that, but I can only imagine that there is a grief process that you must go through. And I, I love that just saying like, you know, grieve it, feel it so that you can be like healthy when you step into yeah. the adoption process. So I have to ask you really quick, cause I'm curious and we didn't kind of loop this back in, but who talked to your husband about adoption that made him change his mind? Well, we had a, um, insurance agent that he just happened to go in to his office one day and, and the the God. yeah, it was totally God. It was, his insurance <laughs> so was agent. an insurance agent and his wife happened to be gone. And so he was daddy daycare that day. And he had a little girl playing in the floor. And well, my husband knew that he had older boys but he didn't know that he had this little girl. So finally, you know, it kind of got the better of him. And he's like, who, who is this little girl? And so Tim, the agent, he's like, oh, well, we just actually adopted. And this is my daughter. And my husband was so smitten with her. Like she was adorable and just talked to him. And, you know, she wasn't a baby. And it kind of came out that my husband was just as scared about being a dad (laughs) as he was about adopting. And, you know, he's like, I don't know what to do with the baby. You know, I don't, you know. And so this little girl was just sitting there and talking to him. And she was probably two at the time, two or three. And she was adopted from East Europe, Eastern Europe. And so that's kind of why we ended up looking that direction. And, um, because there's several, several countries that you can adopt from. And, you know, we thought international adoption, you adopt from Asia or Africa. And, um, and so God just really opened up different doors for us just out of the blue with our insurance agent. (laughs) We never underestimate your insurance agent. (laughs) No, never. You know, Rhonda's, Rhonda's an insurance agent. So (laughs) whatever speaks to me, I will let you know. (laughs) Oh my goodness. So tell us a little bit about Rush to Hope Ministries and how you started it. Yes. Well, I Rush to Hope Ministries started in 2017 after our daughter is adopted domestically. So that means within the United States. Um, we were able to meet her birth parents and they picked us. 
in that whole big long process of waiting for her. And so after we got Hope home, I really felt like our family was complete. God's like, you, you are not the most mothering type of personality and two kids are enough for you. <laughs> and so I was like, okay, I, I felt like our family was done. I really felt healed from just, just all of everything, you know, from infertility and the adoption trauma that you go through. And I just felt like it was our turn to help somebody else get through that. And so when I started Rush to Hope, I just started with a website and a blog and, and shared our story. I just put on Rush's story. I put Hope's story. I kind of put on our parenthood story. And, um, and then I started building just a network of women who have gone through certain aspects of infertility because infertility is vast mm -hmm. and there can be so many different reasons why you are going through infertility. And mine was just unexplained. They just was like, we don't know. And so, so there's that, but then there's also, you know, PCOS, there's endometriosis. There, there are things that, you know, your tubes can be blocked. Your uterus can be tilted. There's so many different um, reasons for infertility. Then you have, you can have your first infertility. You can have trouble getting pregnant a second time, which they consider secondary infertility. So my, my goal was to create just this spider web of women who have experienced everything. So if someone came to me and said, I have endometriosis and I want to try in vitro fertilization, I didn't do, I didn't have either of those. I didn't do either of those. And so I can connect her with someone who has that. so that she actually has someone who has gone through the exact same thing. So she doesn't feel alone in what she's gone through. So that was always my goal and my plan. I never wanted to be the face of anything. And, um, I made little business cards when I first started and it just had the website on it. And it says, you know, something about infertility support group and, that's it. And I would leave them in like bathrooms and at Target and, and places just so I would pray over and say the right woman needs to find this so that she can get connected. Love that. oh. That's great. Love that. Well, I have the opposite. Someone could have breathed on me and I get pregnant. So I was the historical <laughs> class person. Don't have sex because you'll get pregnant. <laughs> So yeah, it was just such a crazy thing to see. I feel like now too, with um, just the younger generation, it's becoming so much more prevalent that they're having issues getting pregnant, which is so sad. Yes. And um, it's a struggle when you have that. It's what what's in the food now, and our and our just our lifestyles of what we Absolutely. put in our body mm -hmm. that that does yeah. that. Yeah. But yeah, it is That's much crazy. more prevalent. And yeah. I think you're having babies older now too. You know, so I think yeah. a little something to that. I remember like, you know, after my daughter died and I, you know, the doctor had said like, you need to wait this amount of time before you get pregnant again. And because it was so easy for me to get pregnant the first time, I thought, well, this should be like super easy. Right. Um, 
And I mean, both times like that I got pregnant, it was easy. And then, so when I had Kalia, whose middle name is Hope, by the way, um, she was more difficult. And I remember every month, like just being so disappointed because I'm like, this should be easy. Now, why isn't this easy? Like, and it took months for me. Mine, I think was a lot more emotional. I think I was just so like, I have to get pregnant again. Like, I think a lot of my emotions had to do with my um, not being able to get pregnant. But even for that short period of time, I can't imagine going month after month or year after year, not being able to conceive. So infertility it like the psychological what you go through with infertility has been compared to that like the depression that you go through has been compared to that of like cancer patients terminally ill cancer patients and so so anyone listening out there I want them to know that their feelings are valid Mm -hmm. and they're that it's okay to to go through that grieving process um And on the website, I help other women write their stories. So on the website, you'll not just see my story, but you'll see other women's story of their IVF journey, of their miscarriage journey, of their child loss journey, um, you know, losing a child, all of those different aspects. Um, I have stories on there and I'm always looking for women to, who want to write their story. Um, And I kind of help them along you know, cause I have women that go, I don't even know where to start. And so I, you know, I just kind of send them some, some material to help them start collecting their thoughts and their, you know, timeline of kind of what happened and how God helped them heal through that. So wow. that's beautiful. Samantha, it has been such a pleasure Goodness. having you on. And we just have one last question for you, which is mm-hmm. what would you tell your 22 year old self? Oh, goodness. My 22 year old self to chill out. (laughs) Chill, girl. Chill. Chill out. You cannot control your future. You have no say. You can make plans, but it is God's purpose that is going to prevail every single time. And get over yourself. (laughs) That's what I would tell myself. Oh my gosh, that's awesome. You're only 22 for goodness sakes. Hold on. Right. I was although just it, a baby. I know, although it feels so dramatic, doesn't it? I mean, like it really does. It's yeah. very dramatic at that age. So, like, you yeah. know, it's so hard to process, especially when you're going through tough things at 22. Like you think this is the end all be all, you know, and it's like yeah. you have this whole life ahead of you. That's so yes. incredibly beautiful. Um, well, thank you again for joining us today. And where can they find and connect with you? Um, I am at rushtohopeministries.com is the website. And then uh, rushtohopeministries at gmail.com is my email. I'm on Facebook, uh, Rush to Hope with Samantha Morgan. And I do Facebook Lives every Friday on that. Today I just did, is today the right time to have a family? Oh, awesome. <laughs> so there's just little tidbits every week. On Instagram as well as Rush to Hope. So you can find me there. Very cool. Thank you so much. And I have an extra book for Miraculous Neuron giveaway when this airs. So we'll be posting that on our Instagram and Facebook pages. And somebody is going to win this amazing book. Yay. Well, thank you so much for joining us, 24 Carat Tribe. And don't forget to like, subscribe, and share. And until next time, sparkle on. Bye. Bye, peeps.